0: Friends, I'm happy to be with you together in God's presence today. I write my sermons on Wednesdays, and this Wednesday uh, was a bit of a curveball, wasn't it? I've since changed what I had planned, and it was going to be a good one, believe me. Now, I think all my sermons are good ones, otherwise, why would I I give you what I thought was a bad one? Anyway, I, I just didn't feel right sticking to the script. You know, there's, a, there's a threshold for pivoting and addressing recent events as a part of worship, orienting our worship around uh, something that has happened recently, and, and I can't always define what that threshold is, but on Wednesday, just in my spirit, as I'm, I'm watching things unfold in real time, I just didn't think it'd be right to keep, keep working on my cute little message I was going to give for you. I hate that I can't look you in the eye and shake your hand on the way out of service. I want to be a pastor to both Democrats and Republicans. I want to be a pastor to people who feel caught in the middle. And I want to be a pastor to whoever else, politically or otherwise. I hate that I I, I can't kind of huddle up with you individually in the lobby afterwards and kind of smooth over. Any misunderstandings? And I guess I'll never know how many of you would have invited me to lunch after such a well-executed sermon. I'll just have to take a guess in my mind. So I want to be, thank you. (laughs) I want to be very clear about what I'm trying to do here. Because there's a difference between the opinions of Adam Musto as an individual on current events and my role as a pastor to be faithful to God's call to preach the word in season and out of season. That is a call I take very seriously, one of the highest of my life. So today I'm going to speak to you theologically, not politically, because that is what I believe is required of me as a leader. I also will speak to you theologically and not politically, because it would not be legal for me to do otherwise. The Johnson Amendment of 1954, named after then-Senator, later-President Lyndon B. Johnson, the Johnson Amendment of 1954 prohibits all nonprofit organizations, including churches, from endorsing or opposing political candidates. So let me say it plainly, I'm not here to tell you who you should have voted for or who you should vote for in the future. Even if I wanted to, and I don't, I couldn't because it is not legal. My purpose is to assess reality as best as I can tell and offer a Christian response. That is my aim today. On Wednesday, I was shocked at what I watched unfold in real time, as I imagine you were. Violence, both threatened and committed, and our capital breached in an effort to obstruct the democratic process our country undergoes to secure a peaceful transfer of power after an election. Now, there are some who might not have been as shocked as me, and perhaps I'm optimistic at best and sheltered at worst. And I accept that. In either case, I joined with many other leaders, both elected and religious, in denouncing the events of January 6, 2021 in Washington, D.C., And it saddens me greatly that this is not the first time that I've needed to use this platform to decry violent demonstrations that have punctuated the last months and years in our country. The title of this message is Arbitrary Morals. Arbitrary Morals. This is a concept that I have refined throughout my adult life. This is how I would define arbitrary morals. When people choose right and wrong based on preference. Now, to illustrate this, I hope you'll allow me to use kind of a lighthearted example in light of the intense week we've had as a country. One of my favorite shows is Game of Thrones. Swords, battles, intrigue, zombies, fascinating characters, amazing show until the last season, but that's another topic for another time. Now, if you make a list of explicit content that you could see in a show, if you wanna make a list of bad stuff, it's in Game of Thrones, gore, sexual content, betrayal, violence, and, and even a little bit of incest. Just saying it out loud, I'm a bit ashamed. As I made that list for you, I could hear my seminary professors judging me, right? So how can I describe my love of Game of Thrones out loud and in the same breath criticize my wife who loves to watch The Bachelor? Right? How, how, do, how, do, how do I justify this? This is a group of, I don't know, 20 or so, Men or women, depending on if you're watching The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, vying for the affection of a contestant. These are real people being used as pawns for our entertainment. A courtship and romance that in my mind has fame, not love at its foundation. The show I like has dragons in it. It's not real. The Bachelor's real people, man. Putting their lives on display for public consumption. How could someone watch such smut? So I justify what I like to watch, but criticize what my wife happens to like to watch. That is arbitrary morals. Choosing what is right and wrong based on preference. We all do this. It's like when someone is tailgating me, they clearly need professional help and they're clearly a maniac. When I decide to tailgate someone, it's because clearly they're going too slow and they're an idiot. See how that works? Arbitrary morals is when I'm late for something, and in my mind it's justified, but I see someone else being late for something and think they need to get their life together. Arbitrary morals, when people choose right and wrong based on preference. So what I want to do is apply the concept of arbitrary morals to politics, to our political reality, and offer a Christian response. So here's my assessment of our political reality, arbitrary morals in the political realm. One, people will use power for their own ends and choose a narrative that suits them. That's on the left. As Christians, our Savior used his power to serve, and our narrative is the eternal word of God. So no secret, no bait and switch, this is where we're going to land today. You want to know what the sermon's about? You want to know what I'm trying to say to you? I tried to put it on the screen. Arbitrary morals in our political reality and the Christian response. That's what we're going to try and do today. The first aspect of arbitrary morals in politics is that people use power for their own ends. In February of 2016, an election year, Justice Antonin Scalia passed away, and the Democratic president nominated a Supreme Court justice to fill the seat. The Republican-controlled Senate did not hold a confirmation hearing for the appointee, Merrick Garland. In September of 2020, an election year, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. The Republican president nominated a Supreme Court justice to fill the seat. The Republican-controlled Senate confirmed appointee Amy Coney Barrett, and she was sworn into the Supreme Court on October 26, 2020. So, a Supreme Court vacancy in an election year. What's the difference? I read a National Review article that summed it up this way. When the same party controls the Senate and the presidency, an appointee is heard and with few notable exceptions approved. When the Senate and the president are different parties, then partisan preferences are wielded. So our politics are built around the power of the parties. If you have a unified executive and legislative branch in in an election year, when there's a Supreme Court vacancy... The appointee is filled. The seat is filled. When there's a difference, when, when the same party does not control the executive and legislative branch, it does not get filled. That's what I would call arbitrary morals. Now, prepared to be impressed because I did take AP government in high school and I was a history major in college, so be impressed. Uh, but there's a lot more history and nuance around the Supreme Court nominees in the history of our country. Uh, I did a lot of research on the year 1992, during the Bush administration, uh, during an election year, but I'm not gonna get into all that because even though I did take AP government in high school, I'm not a political analyst, I'm a theologian, I'm a pastor. So here's what I think is clear, that people will use power to their own ends. This is what our system is designed to produce. This is the system we got, and it's perfectly designed to give us the results we, we are getting. After the 2020 election, the, Democrat, the Democrats control both the executive and legislative branches. What will they do in response? I think we're about to find out. If I was a betting man, I'd bet that the Democrats are going to use power to their own ends. So how does our political system of power compare with the life of Jesus? In a letter to the ancient city of Philippi, that's where we get our biblical book, Philippians, the author Paul is writing to his congregation that is enduring turbulent times. So we'll be reading from chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. This is a Hall of Fame Bible passage, and it's one that I've clung to many times. So we'll start in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Philippians. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Now, I have to believe that Paul's original audience would have had some political differences. I mean, people haven't changed that much. So just like our church, just like our society, Paul is speaking to people that may line up ideologically in different places But because of the Spirit's empowerment, even though we may have different political preferences, can the same love of Christ transcend all those differences? Friends, I'm here to tell you, it's not your political affiliation that is eternal. Our identity as Christians is what defines us over and above being a Democrat or Republican or even an American. Can we share the same love of Christ above all those other things? That's going to be put to the test. Paul continues, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others uh, above yourselves. Excuse me. We got a lot of selfish ambition and conceit floating around in our society, don't we? As Christians, we're called to value others others above ourselves. I love how the Berean translation of the Bible put verse 4. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. As Christians, we are called to share the same love and do more than just look out for number one. Our call is to love Jesus by imitating him. In verse five, we read, "In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus." This is how Methodist founder John Wesley defined Christian maturity, having the mind of Christ and walking as He walked. You want to know if you're growing in your faith, Are you thinking and behaving more like Jesus? To have the mind of Christ and walked as He walked. That is our aim as Christians. And when we pursue power politically or otherwise? Is it out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, or does it reflect Jesus' approach to power? Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Now, here's how you know I'm getting serious, because I'm going to use the King James translation of the Bible. Verse 6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Jesus took his heavenly position, his glorious power, and instead of wielding it, he willfully gave it up. When his disciples argued like children about who was going to be the boss, this is what Jesus told them in the book of Matthew. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. This is the opposite of everything of our political reality. And Jesus calls to us, not so with you. Our Savior used his power to serve. Philippians beautifully encapsulates, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So from back in Jesus' time, with the Gentiles, that's a a biblical word meaning people who aren't Jewish, all the way up to our modern times, people will use power to their own ends. As Christians, our Savior used his power to serve. That was his mindset. That was the example of his life. And that is what we're called to imitate. So along with the wielding of power for one's own preferences, another aspect of arbitrary morals is choosing a narrative that suits us. Friends, just because we don't like something doesn't necessarily mean it isn't true. Like many of you, when 2021 rolled over, I decided, you know, I need to maybe go to Casey's a little bit less and move a little bit more. So of course, I've been doing this for a week, so you gotta hear about it, right? And no matter what story I wanna tell myself about the queso at La Fuente, no matter what, what, what I wanna make up about it, it's caloric content will not change. It's a fact, right? As, as, much as, as much good has come from our access to information online, it doesn't mean all the information is good. It's very possible to only see and hear and read what we want to believe. And our social media and our companies like Google reinforce the echo chamber. It's so easy to be consumed by the deluge of news and social media crisis and outrage. And so if you spend four hours a day taking in hate and questionable information based on a narrative and zero minutes a day Taking in God's word, what do you expect the result to be? It's an equation. We make ourselves vulnerable to what C.S. Lewis called the spirit of the age. And here's how I would define the spirit of our age a spirit of distrust and presumptions of the worst a spirit of selfish ambition and vain conceit, a spirit of cynicism and partisanship and outrage, a spirit that cannot be quenched as there's always more to click on or scroll by. And when we are consumed by the spirit of the age, to borrow a phrase from Paul, we're like spiritual infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Friends, as Christians, we are to submit to the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of the age. As God exalted Christ to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In verse 11, when Paul prays that Jesus Christ is Lord, that is the essential statement of Christian belief. And for centuries, it was an overtly political statement. When Paul said this in the first century, for you to say Jesus is Lord was explicitly, overtly political and dangerous because you were saying Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. And so we've lost some of that in, 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 the, in, in the centuries since. Jesus is the name above all names. Jesus is the one who determines our future. Jesus is who we look to in order to inform how we should live. The name above all names is Jesus, not Twitter, not CNN, not Fox News, not Parlor. The life and death and teachings of Jesus Christ are the narrative that shapes our lives as contained in the scriptures which are sufficient, all sufficient for Christian faith and practice. So quit scrolling and look at scripture for how to live. So in the arbitrary morals of politics, people will use power for their own ends and choose a narrative that suits them. As Christians, we serve a savior who used his power to serve and our narrative is the eternal word of God. Arbitrary morals is something we all do to some degree. All of us. We choose what is right and wrong based on preference. But claiming arbitrary morals isn't a convenient cop out. It's an admission of hypocrisy. There's a gap between the way we behave and the way God calls us to live. There is a gap between the world as it is and the world as it should be on earth as it is in heaven. May we follow the example of Christ that we might possess the mind of Christ and to walk as he walked. And may we follow his example in using whatever means and gifts that we have as a means to serve others and to build our life on the foundation of God's eternal word. And through the Holy Spirit's power, if we can each close that gap just a fraction Just a minuscule amount, if we can each, in following Christ, grow closer to him and in doing so, close the gap little by little, day by day, if we can put away our arbitrary morals and follow Christ's call, then we can each do our part in helping our nation reflect its highest ideals. In Jesus' name and for his sake, everybody said Amen.